I find myself hungry for um, for what I know we can be as a people. Because I think, and this is totally not related at all to what I'm planning on speaking about, but a few things I just can't shake. I know that God has called us as a people. God has called us into a space of togetherness. He's called us to be a family. That was, the, that was one of the other things that Steve um, kind of spoke up about. We got to spend some really good, valuable time, he and I, Steve Stewart. And he is going to be here preaching next Sunday. I really want to encourage you, if you can, to make it. He really is the grandpappy of the Guelph Vineyard. Like, absolutely um, mentored up and sowed the seeds of, um, of what it meant to, to church plant. What it meant to go into a community and to see the kingdom uh, kind of blow up around a group of people who wanted to, to partner with the work of God, right? And, uh, and I just love his perspective. He, he was my first pastor, so that alone, for me, uh, gives a certain gravity to what he has to talk about. But I think for us in this season... This relationship of of having I, I know that we've had a um, you know a a journey together as a community and and you guys have been many of you have been in this for a long time and I know that there have been seasons that have felt like wilderness right and so to to be able to have um, a voice that helped to seed the dream of this community speak into this community as something I'm excited about. So I just really want to encourage you to make it uh, uh, out for that. And, um, but one of the things that he talked about was, you know, we, like, man, family, sometimes family, family can be such a drag, right? <laughs> and for some of us, family can be toxic. Um, but there is something about family that is very different. When, I sh- when we show up for family, it's very different from showing up to a meeting. There's just something that is different in the air, right? The, the sense of, of belonging uh, and commitment to one another. And I think that's part of what God has. I think that's part of what he has done in this community. I think it is part of the line that he is pulling on, the thread that he's pulling on right now, is, um, you know, because in the best versions, family is a blast, right? And with the vision of God, the vision of his community, of his body, Right. This is a space of this is this is a space of redemption. So even if your family is a toxic place and that feels like, no, I don't want more family, are you kidding me? I just want more friends. <laughs> right. Um God has the desire, and I think it's actually woven into the gospel itself that we become connected to each other in a way that uh, is a lot more like family in its truest, healthiest forms. I'm excited about that. Um, 
and I don't know exactly what that looks like. But I know it doesn't look like having souped up meetings. I know it means something else, something organic. But that's, uh, I'm feeling hungry for it. And not because it's not here. It's not hungry in the absence of, it's just I am hungry for more. Like I am. I'm so hungry for more, you guys. I'm hungry for more of the Holy Spirit. I'm hungry for more of Jesus. I'm hungry for more times of connection with one another where we know that we have been woven in in the same way that my hand is woven into my arm. These things are, you know, I have independent control, right? But there's a weave. Scripture talks about the weave of the body. And I am hungry for more. I think that... Um, I think that sometimes we have, uh, well, I'll just speak in the personal, first person. I think that sometimes I have bought a false bill of goods about what it means to be the body and what it means to be a successful church, successful people of God. And I just really want the real thing. I want the really real thing. And I know that what that means, I know that that means Jesus... Um, getting, how do I say this? Getting bigger in our vision. And the way that that happens, it, it, has, it has to do with both our, our, our understanding and our framework of who Jesus is because it's possible to, it's possible to get it wrong, hey? Do we know that? Do we know that it's possible to get things wrong about our beliefs, about our understandings? I hope we know that. <laughs> Just so you know, I have a few things that I have wrong. I, if I could tell you what those were, you know, I would be right. So it creates a conundrum. But it's the humility of knowing that God can reorder. And I think that, I think that Jesus has... Uh, desire to reorder our understanding of him. He has the desire to reorder our frame, right? So that he blows out the edges of our frame a little more. I need Jesus to blow out the edges of my frame. That's the kind of vision that, that's the vision, Christ-filled vision that I want is that he's blown out the edges of my frame. He's uncontainable, right? So I need to move my head in order to take in more kind of thing. Um, and that has so much to do with proximity too. The nearness of Jesus. Anyway, I'm rabbit trailing. I just, I just can't shake this thing though. It's okay. Martin's like, yes, yes, you are. I think, I think it's okay. I think it's okay to, I just want to express this desire for more. And I want to invite you into that, right? Because that's a together thing. Like, I am not going to be able to steward and cultivate and grow as, as the leader of this church, this thing. Like, this is something we buy into. Do we want more? There has got to be more, you guys. Like, we have not begun to scratch the surface. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're doing something that's, like, wrong. Maybe. 
probably a little bit. But there's more. Okay. Um, I'm going to focus a little bit here. Advent, surprise, humility. I decided that I was not interested in speaking in complete sentences for this series. So I just hashtagged some different words. <laughs> I love modernity. Um, as I said last week, I know not everyone was here. I'm just going to give a brief recap. I love Advent. I think it's a powerful season. I think it has the capacity to recenter us and to be a bit of an antidote to some of the toxicity that exists within this Christmas time where we have to project a certain kind of, you know, it's like there's a, like a Instagram filter that suddenly comes over our lives that makes everything look a little bit more like a soft glow, right? No, there's not a whole lot of sentimentality in the arrival of Jesus. There's not any sentimentality in the hundreds of years that his people waited for him. There's no sentimentality in the difficult circumstances under which he arrived, right? Um, and so Advent reminds us of that because it, um, it asks us to yearn for him. It asks us to take a look at the darkness and to discover the light that's emerging in that space. This is what we see in some of the Isaiah texts that we read this morning. Uh, did we read in Isaiah? I don't even know. It was, but there, the language was there. This light and darkness language. By the way, those readings are coming from the common, the revised common lectionary. So this is just, it's something that much of the church is engaged in. And, you know, if we're looking for a really concise theme to, like, these things don't read from one into the other. It's, it's, this is not a neat kind of on the, like, we're going to tie a bow around this thing and present it in a neat package. It's just raw scripture that kind of paints in broad strokes um, into the season of expectation and preparation. So, um, and that's what we are in right now. In more ways than one is a season of preparation, expectation, anticipation, and reception, getting ready to receive. Um, we, there's a difference between expectation and anticipation, by the way. And that's a lot of what I want to talk about today specifically. In a lot of ways, our expectations, expectation is important, but it's very dangerous. Expectation is a, is, is a very dangerous word because we are expecting something. And the more specific that we, that we get in that thing, if we're expecting the wrong thing, we can miss what comes. Right? Um, anticipation is something that is a little bit more open-ended. Right? And I've talked about this in other contexts, but if I'm expecting uh, a new guitar for Christmas... And I'm not. <laughs> if I'm expecting a new guitar for Christmas, and I am absolutely captivated by this desire of mine, and I am sure that I have dropped sufficient hints, right? And that the means are there, and whatever, and I have this ex- expectation, what happens 
if I do not receive a guitar, right? If I have shaped my expectations around such a specific thing, it's entirely possible that I could receive a gift and, and be disappointed, right? Or in some cases, even miss it altogether, right? Like that, that would be the worst thing. Like, well, where's the, where's the gift? You know, no, the, the book is the gift or whatever. I mean, it's, books, by the way, are a great gift. That's, that's kind of what I ask for every year, not, not guitars. But, um, so expectation is dangerous, but it also, but expectation is, um, it's also a, an important piece of what it looks like to shape our desires because we do shape our desires in particular directions. That's part of what we talked about yesterday just before we went out into the community to uh, give a simple, super humble little exchange. Hey, listen, we've got a bag of some, some uh, tangerines for you and, uh, the, and candy canes. Right? How ridiculous is that? Here's a, here's, a, here's a bag of oranges and candy canes. Jesus loves you. Right? It's kind of ridiculous. But part of, uh, I'm going to touch on that in a, in a minute, but part of um, what we talked about as we went out was that there was an expectation that God was going to be present in those transactions. Right? And so that is an empowering kind of a thing. That's something that moves me forward, right? But then there's the open-endedness of anticipation because if I'm anticipating something, if I'm anticipating, and again, just if I'm ta- anticipating Christmas morning, my capacity to be thankful, my capacity to be surprised, and to be alert and attentive, because if I'm having anticipation, I am particularly alert, Right? If I'm anticipating a meal and I start to smell it, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to notice that. I'm going to pay attention to that. It's going it's to sew into what I'm looking for. So as we, with these kind of three words in mind, this idea of, of preparing to receive Jesus which is what this, the narrative of this season invites us into. I'm asking the question, how do we prepare for Jesus? How do we prepare for the Christ? And I want us to be clear that no one was preparing for Jesus. Absolutely nobody was preparing for Jesus. Now, people were trying to prepare themselves for the Christ. That was language that was going on amongst the people of God, at least some of them. Longing for their deliverer, longing for the Christ. And what I, what I know, what I observe in the story throughout the entire, all of the Gospels, is that one of the core um, uh, questions over and over again, was Jesus essentially saying, do you recognize me? And being darn sneaky about it sometimes too. Right? Do you recognize me? Um, 
So when I think of the Christ, and we, we pulled the slide up last week, when I think of the Christ, and when the people of God thought of the Christ, their deliverer, the one who was going to set them free from oppression, and set them back on their pathway of, of purpose and the promises of God, they had this idea of the, grand, the, the great grandeur of God, Right? This is a segment of space that we thought was completely empty. And we pointed a big, powerful telescope at it and discovered uh, now in the same region, this is, th- I think, 3,000 galaxies. Now I think they've counted up to 10,000 galaxies that they in an empty plot of land. The bigness of God, the grandeur of God. This, was, this is surprising to us, but it's not surprising to someone who thinks that God is everything. Everywhere, right? Um, and so with, within this, the, this idea of God is going to come rescue us. God is going to come with flesh. God is going to come with power. God is going to come as a warrior king. Or he's going to send a warrior king. And we are going to be delivered. And those Romans are not going to know what's hit them. Right? Uh, th- this, this, this kind of connection to to power and bigness and and yet when Jesus arrives he sneaks into like a, a backwater corner of of the, you know the kingdom of Israel um, there is fanfare but it's all to the it's all to peasants that basically get to see it. I mean, there's, we've got, I know it's a bigger story than this. There's, um, there's a revelation to the nations as well. We've got these, you know, wise men who come, these kings, these, um, we don't fully know, uh, but, you know, people who, they came with very expensive gifts. And so they were people of some clout and they also had audience with, with Herod, right? They had audience with the king. Uh, so, but even in, even in that, there was this, uh, understatement, this, we're, we're just, we're trying to find this King. We've looked in the stars and we see that this is supposed to be happening and we're following this. We're trying to, we're trying to seek out Jesus. Um, you know, he, Jesus could have come. He could have come as uh, out of the line of, of Caesar, out of power. He could, have, he could have just come fully formed as a deliverer, and yet he didn't. He, I mean, we know the story, okay? We know the improbability of his arrival. And this phrase is something that... Um, matters to me very much. The way the Christ comes is the Christ who comes. Now, we're still kind of in refresher stuff from last week, but I just, I, I want us to, to just soak in this for a minute. Because sometimes I think it's possible to think of Jesus as the beggar king. You know those, those uh, fairy tales where there's a king and he's a good king, but he's disconnected from his people. And so he dresses up as a beggar and goes out into the village and encounters the people. 
as a, as a beggar. But secretly, he's a king. He's, he's just taken, he's just put on a, a disguise, right? I think it's possible for us to have that kind of understanding of Jesus, uh, if we're not careful, that, you know, here Jesus is part of the Trinity. He's, he's right. He's a part of the Godhead. John says that he created all things. All things were created through him. And then he puts on a disguise and comes down and hangs out as a beggar for a little while and does his, and does his thing, right? And then kind of when he goes back into heaven, he becomes this big, glorious, uh, pre, you know, the, the theological term is the pre-incarnate Christ, right? The, G, the, the Christ that was there before Jesus was born. It's, it's, it's a theological kind of quandary. It's a little bit of a muddy thing, but there's this, it's, it's, a, it's a big idea, okay? But we can have this idea that Jesus came and he kind of, uh, he, just, he, he put on humility and, and then took it off. And when he comes later on, he's going to come and he's going to come with a sword and he's going to cut down the nations. And there's all sorts of teaching out there that's like that, right? You just wait. You had meek little mild Jesus the first time, but the second time he's coming like a lion and he's going to devour sin or whatever. This can be our vision of who Jesus is. And I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think that there, there's this, again, I don't want to rabbit trail too much. I want to, but as we, as we reflect on the humility of Jesus, the Jesus who came, the way he came, was the Jesus who came. Right? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There is a human being as part of the Trinity. Jesus, as he revealed himself, the resurrected Jesus, this means something. This is a permanent relationship with humility. Right? I came across this quote from N.T. Wright, or uh, sorry, not N.T. Wright, Eugene Peterson. I mix up my heroes from time to time. This quote from Eugene Peterson, and I love it, and I had already been thinking along the lines of this, and I read it, and I thought, ah, he said it better than I ever could. The God who in majesty, strength, and wisdom is beyond our imaginations has chosen to work primarily as a servant who is almost beneath our imaginations. So far beneath that we don't even notice him. Do you agree? <laughs> That's powerful. This is very powerful. And as we, as we begin to reflect on what does it mean to be the people of God in the world, what does it mean to be kingdom people in the world, um, you know, i got to be honest with you. I would really like to see the big miracle stuff, the signs and wonders stuff. And just so that you know, I believe in those things. I've seen some pretty cool Stuff I haven't seen blind eyes opened. I have heard deaf tongues speak, or no, a mute tongue speak. Somebody who never spoke before. I heard her first words. That was amazing. I have friends who have seen the dead raised. They've prayed over someone who had expired, and they were no longer expired. I be- I actually believe in that stuff. Um. 
But what a ridiculous thing yesterday to go knock on people's doors with uh, clementine oranges is what we had. With, with a bag with like six or seven clementine oranges and a few candy canes. Hand it to them and say something to the effect of, hey, Merry Christmas, got this for you because Jesus really loves you. It's absurd, right? And yet, you know, I mean, I was out with, with Stefan. We were, uh, we were a duo yesterday. And, you know, hearing Nikki talk. So Nikki and my mom go out together, and I'm like, slam dunk. They look so nice and gentle and kind, you know. Like, in all the best senses, like, you know, you guys knocking on the door, like, no one's going to be worried that, you know, that the tax collector has come. (laughs) Or, like, they're going to get beat up. Like, there's a couple of thugs at the door. Like, this is not a concern. You did have canes. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You know, but uh, Stefan and I are, are out, and um, and I'm thinking no one's going to open the door for us, even, right? But we knock, and the very first person actually, uh, she opened the door. This, I'm not sure. What, I don't know what country, West African descent, maybe something like that. Anyway, from the smell of the food, I would that would be my guess. Oh, amazing smell. So anyway, she opens the door, and we do the thing. Hey, this is Merry Christmas. Got this for you. And we're just going around um, to, just to, give, to pray a blessing on your home, if that's okay, and to give this expression. It's just some oranges and candy canes, but God sees you today, and, he, and Jesus loves you. That's why we're here. And she got a big smile. Right? Now, she was a believer, this one. And she was, oh, just a second, just a second. She runs off and she gets something to give us. Right? Some, can- some candy canes and some chocolates. And, and I made a comment about how good the food was smelling. And she said, I'm cooking that for my church for tomorrow. And, and, and I thought to myself, I guess I probably still need to go to church tomorrow. Go off. This is good food. They're lucky people. Um, but it was a sweet exchange. It wasn't, I just felt so, like all my anxiety just kind of dropped, right? And then we had a couple of other, we didn't have anybody get weird. And we didn't have anyone take us like we were insane either. Like it was a pretty, what's that? Yeah, totally. I think, I think one look at me though, and I don't think you're too worried about being a JW. <laughs> yeah, he's not a JW, he's definitely not an elder. Like, <laughs> right? But, the one that for me made the biggest impression yesterday was we went to uh, she turned to open the door and this is a young mother I would assume who's who's there and um, she looked a little uncertain like what you know what's what's about to happen and you know we handed her the bag and and said the thing. And her face just lit up. Massive smile. Oh my gosh. That is so nice. Right? And we're talking and it's like, yeah, and, and you know, we would really love to play, pray a, just a Christmas blessing on your family today. And, you know, would that be okay? 
so we did. And then, you know, asked the question, was there anything specific? She said, no, we're, we're good, we're good, I think. We're pretty good. And I, and I knew that, I just knew that um, I could see on her face and I could see in the environment that she was in that, that it, there was a, there, it was not an easy life for her. She was not leading an easy life. There was lots of things that we could have probably, that she could have invited us to pray for, I would guess. Hey, I'm not, I'm not kind of misconstruing this at all. Um, you know, but we had these, we also had these gift cards, like a $25 gift card, like a PC. You can go to, uh, you know, Zares or one of the Loblaws stores or whatever to get some groceries. And I thought, you know, okay, we're, this, I think, I think she could probably really use this. And so I said, here, we're just, you know, maybe this can be some help for you through the season. And her face, like, her eyes were so thankful and surprised. And, you know, like Doug said with his story, you could see she was, I mean, she was right kind of on the edge of tears. Like, there was something that was taking place. And I just said, you know... We are here really just because we, we really do believe that God, that Jesus sees you today, absolutely knows all of the circumstances of your life, and just really, this is just a, just a small thing that, that says that he's seen, he sees you today, and he loves you and he wants to take care of you, Right? And I just, it was, oh my gosh, I walked away and it was like, oh, that was so good. You know? And so easy, so easy. And nothing that anybody would ever write a book about. So humble. Such a minor, meek thing. Not the power, not the glory, not the great argument that that crushes the modernity and puts you know none of that stuff and and that's kind of I mean Jesus came on a mission, he came for a reason for a purpose, and if I was going to come to save the world, if I was God and I was going to come to save the world. I would look a whole lot more like filling your superhero blank. At this point, I think Thor is pretty cool. (laughs) I can't keep the beard then, you know? And Jesus came to actually save the world, and he he did it in a way that people could hardly even recognize him. He could hardly even recognize him. And that's what I want us to learn how to do. I want us to learn how to be people who can recognize Jesus. Who can recognize a moment that is a kingdom moment. And I'm convinced that most of those moments are the ones that just slip past us. And we, and because they're so, easy to, they're so easy to miss. That's why I love this quote. A servant who is almost beneath our imaginations. Now, I'm an imagination guy, right? I think we wither up and become small, tiny shells of who we are called to be if we have no imagination. Cultivating an imagination, cultivating a kingdom imagination is one of my favorite things to talk about. 
I can't wait to actually talk about that. I kind of feel like a racehorse, kind of, I'm waiting for the go sign on that one. And yet, at the same time, are we able to have, to tune our senses, our expectation and anticipation so that we can be among, you know, so we can be, be people who are standing alongside Peter when Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you, you are the Christ, right? You're, you're the one we've been waiting for. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, you haven't figured this out on your own, Right? And so, the humility of, of how God moves, I think I'm just going to stop here, actually. I've got other things that I kind of wanted to say, but I think I just want to, just to stop here for a second. You guys, I am certain that God is moving in the shadows and in the quiet places of our lives. I am certain of it. I am certain that there are places where God is at work and and we are t- sometimes maybe too high-minded to recognize that he's right there. And so if it's okay, I want to just take a few minutes and just kind of pray into the space. We have a little one saying hi. This is, this, I'm going to let that stand as a metaphor. Lord you said that your sheep hear your voice God, we want to hear your voice. Lord, we'll just lay down our expectations of James Earl Jones' level voices, God speaking. Lord, let us hear your voice. Let us recognize the humble quality of your speaking to us. bless you this week to notice the ways that God is moving around you 
haven't seen before. I bless you, and I'm going to include myself in the you. To see those spaces where we see God and we go, oh, you've been there all along. God, I ask as well that even throughout the next couple of weeks, as we um, engage in the rhythms of family and celebration, celebrating you, that you would begin to rewrite um, some of our unhelpful backstories that we have that we have built up around you that maybe are not accurate. And that we would receive you as you are. Before we close out, I just want to open up if there's if there is anyone who has you feel like there's a, a thought or a picture or something that's sort of been percolating. I, I just if if somebody has something that they want to share in that or whatever. I just before we close out, and if not, that's fine. I just sort of feel the creative space for that. If anyone has a reflection. Yeah, Nikki. Um, it's a picture of a an electrical circuit, um, and the idea of the power in that circuit. Um, we didn't as um, spiritual power, a a metaphor for spiritual power, we didn't create the circuit, but we are the switch. And so we partner with God to um, make the connection. And as you know, that in an electrical circuit, nothing happens unless the switch is closed. And then um, power surges around the circuit for for work for whatever the circuit is set up to do um, so while we didn't create the circuit we are a part of it and we partner with God to choose in our own lives to um, connect the circuit to 
make a choice to whatever that is for you or for me or for our church or for whatever that we have that um, choice. Okay. Well, we're going to close out now. Uh, I am just going to say this. Uh, don't be tempted to walk away and say, what was Chris trying to communicate today? <laughs> I love the idea of having a concise point. Uh, I did actually have something prepared that was much more concise than this, but I've, I, I could have just done that. But the last thing I want to do is, is fake something like that. I, I I actually think that maybe God was speaking through some of this stuff this morning. So I want to ask, I want to encourage you as you as you go away from this place, rather than say, "What was Chris? What was the thing about?" I want to encourage you to ask the question: What was God trying to say to me this morning? Because I, uh, there's something at it, and I just I I just I, I couldn't get past it. The sense of of, of there's got to be more, you guys. That's the, that's my underlying message this morning. That I, but. What is that for us? So I just want to encourage you to lean into the things of God and to try to hear his voice because I think he's speaking to us. Um, yeah, anyway, I'll leave, it at, I'll leave it at that. Lord, we just invite you into our lives this week and we pray that as we go from this place that we would encounter you uh, before us and behind us, beside us, above us, below us. Let us encounter you in the faces and words of others. Be in our words our expressions this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Have a great week, you guys. Do come next week. If you can come for the next two weeks in particular, I think they're going to be a blast. Um, So I just really want to encourage you guys. Okay.